Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, she she could have turned her eyes toward her son like that. She could have turned her eyes toward the midwife there who was trying to help her. And she, she could have turned to the midwife and said, you know, it's so kind of you to think of me now and in, in my state, and to try to encourage me, you know, I, I just love you for doing that, and thank you for doing that, but, but don't, I don't want you to worry about me, because I've seen God's hand all along the way of this life journey. I know his hands aren't, he's not going to pull his hands back when I die and, and let me fall. I, I know he's going to take care of me, so don't worry. Or she could have turned her eyes toward God, and she, she could have said something like, you know, into thy hands I commend my my spirit, you could have said that, you know. You could have said, you, know, you gave me life. I didn't deserve what you gave me all through life. Everything in life, I didn't deserve it. So thank you. I just feel so thankful that now you gave me a great husband who brought me out of the darkness of idolatry to the knowledge of God. Thank you for all the blessings that you brought to me that I don't deserve. She could have died. She could have turned her eyes to God. Or she could have turned her eyes on herself and blamed somebody else, which is unfortunately what we're reading here. And when it says in verse 18, she called his name Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. I mean, this was uh, kind of selfish on her part because she would have had it for the rest of this, this guy's life that he would be reminded that he caused his mother's sorrow and death in childbirth. That's not a good thing. Psychologists will tell you that's not good for children. You know, It, it would have hurt him for the rest of his life. Yeah. And, and it's showing us something. And keep in mind, Rachel's a great woman. I mean, she's a builder of the tribes of Israel. She's the mother of Benjamin and Joseph. You know. Clinton reminded me, you know, no Benjamin, no Saul. No Benjamin, no Paul. And so, you know, she's great. But, um, okay, we have this uh, to deal with here in this passage because it teaches us something. It shows us that when we act with our eyes on ourselves, when we act selfishly like that, uh, that we hurt other people in the process. You know, when she named her last son, you know, son of my sorrow, she was hurting her son, I mean, obviously, you know, because, and it really would have been for the rest of his life. Can you imagine what that would have been like for him? You know, every time I say, hey, what, what's your name? And well, you know, my name is son of my sorrow. <laughs> wow, that's too bad. Why are you named son of my sorrow? Well, you see, uh, because when I was born, my, my, see, my mother died in childbirth, and since I caused her death and her sorrow, she calls me, uh, you know, she named me son of my sorrow. Hmm. That's not going to look good on her resume. Anyway, and he might have thought, you know, you know, that name was actually one of two names she might have had for me. She might have called me, she might have called me son of my death. You know, it's going to... So, Rachel, by naming her son, son of my sorrows, she was hurting him. 
but she wasn't just hurting him. It was like, you know, when you take a rock on a nice, you know, calm, placid lake, and you throw that rock up in the air, and that rock hits in that lake, there's a lot of ripples, and you just sit there and watch the far, the ripples as they sort of spread out across the water there. That's kind of like the hurt that she was doing. She, she, she not only hurt her son, she hurt Jacob. He desired that, he, that, anyways, it was every time that Jacob would call his son's name, he should be reminded that this is the one who caused the death of the only woman he ever loved. That's a little rough on, on Jacob. Rachel's naming hurt Jacob. Rachel's naming hurt Joseph. Every time Joseph would call his brother's name, he would be reminded that his brother caused the death of his mother. It's a little rough on Joseph. You know, jo- Rachel's naming, it hurt God. It hurt God. Every time anyone would call this boy's name, then it would be a reminder that God allowed this boy to kill the, the mother's, the, his mother. You know, and so as we've seen here in Rachel's death, that it just resulted in, 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 in Rachel's death. We've already seen the good side of it. Rachel's death could be likened to the Lord Jesus Christ because, you know, she died and gave birth, new life. The Lord Jesus Christ died and gave us new life, you know. But can you imagine if the Lord's name was, he's the Savior who was killed because of our sins. <laughs> that was his name all the time, you know. Okay, we know it's true, but, you know, we don't talk about it all the time. So as we look at how wide this circle is of those that, that Rachel hurt with the naming of her son, we see a clear picture of what the Bible calls the root of bitterness, the root of bitterness that's allowed to spring up, as it says, you might want to turn to Hebrews 12.15, Hebrews 12.15. Hebrews 12.15 is giving us really this description here of what we're seeing in Genesis 35.18 here with what happened. Hebrews 12.15, it brings it right home to us with a command. The command is looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. See, verse 18, as Rachel named her son there, we say how a root of bitterness sprung up, and thereby many were defiled. She hurt so many people. And that's why bitterness, that's what bitterness does if it's let to be spring up. You know, verse 18, as she named her son, we see her failing of the grace of God. God's offering her, no temptation taken you, such as come to man. God is faithful, who also make a way for you, Rachel, to escape the temptation of bitterness. And so she turns her eyes off of God and turns her eyes to herself. And, and, but if she had just turned her eyes to God, and she could have, by the grace of God, been thankful that I'm giving birth to the son as she's departing. Verse 18, Rachel names her son. We see her letting this root of bitterness spring up. It's a springing up root bitterness that's, that we see here. And all of a sudden, she's blaming others. You know, the root of bitterness drove Rachel to blame her son for her sorrow and her death. That's not new. We've seen this before. This is not a new root of bitterness because we saw this root of bitterness also spring up and it drove Rachel to blame Jacob for not having children. In Genesis 30, verse 1, Genesis 30, verse 1, when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister, 
and said unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. So when Jacob, he hears this, she understands, you know, Rachel is in bitterness and she's blaming Jacob for not being able to have children. When she's, and she's in bitterness in verse 18 and she's blaming her son for her death. Both these times, they're not reasonable. It's not reasonable to blame the little kid for that. It's not reasonable to blame Jacob because her son, you know, her son, he should be blamed for causing her death. He had no control over that. And Jacob had, should be blamed for causing Rachel to have no children. He, he had no control over that, over her infertility. But, and when Jacob replied, Jacob gave a wonderful classic, even though it was done in anger, but he said something very important when he replied to that unreasonable accusation because, and when he did that, he gave us insight into what bitterness really is all about. When he said in Genesis 30, verse two, Genesis 30, verse two, Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel and he said, am I in God's stead? Who hath withheld thee from the fruit of the womb? See, when Jacob said, am I in God's stead? Jacob hit the nail right on the head with regard to bitterness because with that statement, Jacob exposed the real evil of bitterness. The real evil of bitterness is that ultimate blaming of God. That's what it is. When Rachel was bitter and blamed Jacob for not having children, Rachel was blaming God. You know, why did you give me this husband anyway? I mean, whatever the blame might be. And when Rachel was bitter and blamed her son for causing her death, Rachel was blaming God. What'd you make the baby so big for? Okay, so it's called bitterness because that's what it does to us. It takes away all of our sweetness and, and when we come, become bitter, we become miserable. We can't, we're, we're miserable to live with ourselves. You know, bitterness takes our sleep away. Bitterness puts frowning wrinkles on our face. Bitterness destroys our immune system and makes us susceptible to illnesses. So what we've seen here is how bitterness troubles us personally. Bitterness hurts many people, wide circle. Bitterness blames others. Bitterness ultimately blames God. But bitterness can be overcome by the grace of God. But when we let bitterness spring up, we fail of the grace of God. Now, we see also in this Hebrews verse here, a very important word when it says the word any, lest any root of bitterness. It's interesting it didn't say lest a root of bitterness. It says any, like there's many of them, and there are. The word any teaches us that bitterness can come from any reason, many reasons, any reason. You know, you're trying to park your car in the grocery store, and all of a sudden this car pulls in in front of you and takes your spot. You know, and the root of bitterness is spring up there. Oh man, you're mad. And you know, or or you've call you're calling someplace on the phone and you got your question all ready to go, and you're so hopeful when the person answers the phone, but the first thing you hear is, Can you please hold? <laughs> and then after fifteen minutes, you know, <laughs> you got a root of bitterness threatening to spring up. That's why the Bible says any, and we could go on, to show us that bitterness can come from any irritation. And that's why we're commanded, you know, you gotta be on your guard against this, looking diligently. I mean, we have to be on our constant, diligent guard against the springing up of this from the root of bitterness. And, you know, springing up, that's another word, springing up. I'm amazed 
you know, I go out in the garden, and, and all of a sudden I see this weed. I go, I don't remember seeing that weed there. It just sprung up. It's, you know, it springs up overnight, and then I go to try to pull it, and it's got little things that stick in my skin and make me more irritated. So, you know, you go, and that's what it takes. You know, where did it come from? Where did the weed come from? It's such a big weed. It's just all of a sudden there overnight. The weed came from a root that was not seen, that was under the ground. I couldn't see it, but that root made that weed spring up. That's why it says in Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest any fail of the grace, any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. We have a nature. Oh, we have bad nature. We have a sinful nature. It means we have many roots of bitterness under the ground just waiting to spring up. And so we got to be diligent to go out there and get those. So we've seen in Rachel what can happen to us when we let a root of bitterness spring up. And if we do that, then it's going to be our failure, the grace of God. It's going to destroy us. It's going to hurt a lot of people. It's going to cause us to blame others and cause us to blame God. But in these verses here, very valuable verses, verses 18 to 19, we see in Rachel a person who knows that she's going to die. And okay, we've seen what happened in her last moments of life here, but before she died, she got occupied with these issues we've been talking about, and that's been tragic. We could look at this, we go, okay, Rachel's helped us this morning because she's shown us what not to do when we're going to die, right? But it raises an, a really another question, and that should be, what should we do when we're going to die? You know, Rachel's given us some guidance, like we said, not to, okay, but where's our guidance in the Bible for what we should do when we die? Believe me, this is relevant for every one of us because we're all going to die. You know, so but what should we do when we know we're going to die? Okay, we now turn to Paul. Paul, he writes for us this wonderful statement. If you want to turn 2 Corinthians 1 9, 2 Corinthians 1 9, 2 Corinthians 1 9 is where Paul makes this amazing statement from a man who knew he was going to die, who was going to, he was going to die. And it says here in 2 Corinthians 1 9, very interesting, it says, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. Now, at first look, when you just look at this verse, it seems kind of depressing to say we have the sentence of death. You know, it's like, okay, this is hopeless. You know, it's done deal. You're going to die. Okay. But what Paul is, but Paul is really saying something here. It's very interesting. And you got to look a little bit further to this word sentence. This word sentence, you know, aprikrobani, it's an interesting Greek word because it has embedded within its basic meaning this concept of response. It's a concept of answer or response. It's like the word ana in Hebrew. It means to respond, to answer to. So really, when you look at it that way, then Paul, the verse is really saying, we had the answer to death. We had the response to death. So this is in contrast between Paul and Rachel because they both are going to die, coming to die. It's got to look at it this way. In both cases, Rachel and Paul had death speaking to them. Death was speaking to them. Death was challenging them. Death was demanding from them an answer. Death was was defiantly challenging them, demanding a response. 
And in the case of Rachel, she met the, 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 the challenge with the answer of, it's my son's fault. Blame him. I mean, her, Rachel's answer to the challenge of death was the response that I shouldn't be dying. It's only because of him. But Rachel's response, it wasn't right. It wasn't fair for her to be a victim. And when a person knows he's going to die, he's being challenged by death. Death comes to the person with an arrogance. Death comes to the person with a defiance. And it says stuff like this, you're going to die. What do you got to say about that? You're going to die. What's your response to that? When death comes with that arrogant, mocking defiance, you just can't help but think of Goliath. You know, Goliath appears on the battlefield there in 1 Samuel 17, 4. 1 Samuel 17, 4. He's identified. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. And then in verse 17, 1 Samuel 17, I mean, verse 8, 17, 8. It says, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, why are you come out to set your battle in array? I'm not I a Philistine and you servants of Saul. Choose you out a man for you. Let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you'll be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that he may fight, to, we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard those words by the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. See, Goliath is like death. And Goliath was a champion, and death is a champion. And Goliath stood and cried out in defiance you know, to man, and death stands and cries out in defiance to man. Goliath, Goliath actually demanded a man. He says, give me a man to stand to represent you, and fight against me, and death death demands a man to stand as a representative man and fight against death. And Israel was afraid of Goliath, and they ran away. They were afraid. And, and, and man is afraid of death and runs away. And for most persons today, they've got no answer to that Goliath champion of death. You know, they're afraid they run away, and, they, and it's all, you know, call hospice and let them give me a big dose of morphine and Ativan and and put me out so I don't have to answer these arrogant, defiant challenges of death. And that's because most do not have an answer to this challenge of the pending death. Or they have a false answer, something like this. You know, I've lived a really good life. I've lived a pretty good life. And, you know, I've, I gave a lot of money to charity. I've got the receipts if you want to see them. And I, I've done a lot of good, wonderful, wonderful works. You know, I'm sure I must be going to heaven. And all those answers are trusting itself. And the response to those questions are, you know, the question is, you're going to die. What's your answer response to that? Those are answers to trust in self, and those answers are met with the response of Matthew 7.23. Matthew 7.23, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity, more of the casting and the thrusting. But here's the only answer to impending death that Paul gives it to us. We have the, and I'm not going to say sentence, I'm going to say, we have the response to death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. See, the answer to death that's coming is don't trust in yourself, but trust in God, which raises the dead. That's the resurrection. So the answer to death is really John eleven twenty five, John eleven twenty five, where the Lord Jesus Christ says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. It's kind of like him saying, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a, it doesn't matter. See, when Goliath demanded a man, 
to stand as a representative and fight against him, and death demands a man to stand as a representative and fight against him, here's the answer. 2 Corinthians 1.9, which we say, it presents our man. It presents our representative to fight against death. It's on the cross. It's on the cross that the Lord Jesus Christ appears on the battlefield with the Goliath champion death, and the Lord Jesus Christ is our representative, and he fights with death, and he says the words of Hosea 13.14, Hosea 13.14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, I'm here to take you on. It's me. You know, they're all afraid, but it's me. And he goes out just like David did all along, alone onto the battlefield, and he fights, and he says the words of Isaiah 25, 8. Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death and victory. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where's thy sting? Oh, grave, where's thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what we have in, in this verse here in 2 Corinthians 1, 9, 2 Corinthians 1, 9, is what Rachel needed when she was in this great danger. She, death was there, and she knew she was going to die. She needed to put no reliance on herself as the victim, and she needed to turn her eyes to God who raises the dead. So we have our instructions here for what we're to do when we're in the danger of death. And number one, don't trust in ourselves. Turn, don't put our eyes on our lives. Don't turn our eyes on our lives. Don't, don't look at all of our good works and see what we've done. Don't let bitterness spring up to blame others, but trust in God who raised the dead. Get behind our champion, the Lord Jesus Christ, who defeated this. And now, all of this should drive us to see how important it is to believe into the Lord Jesus Christ. It's more than just believe in. You know, believe in existed. I mean, after all, when the Lord Jesus Christ made that great whosoever invitation with John 3, 16, you know, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. We've got to remember who he was speaking to. I mean, that was Nicodemus. And he's telling him that whosoever believeth in me should not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, there stood Nicodemus in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord is telling him that, you know, a person had to believe in him to not perish. You think Nicodemus said, Oh, you mean all I got to do is believe that you exist <laughs> and I don't get perished, you know? All I got to do is believe you really were born and lived? You know, of course not. Nicodemus understood he never would have thought something so absurd like that. He understood that he had to know that it's more than just believing in the existence, but it's believing into, believing into, which is a trusting in, which is a getting behind, which is a loving him with all the heart and the strength and the mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, the, the, the Bible and how it helps us to understand what we can't see and being the light for us and the darkness all around us. The darker it is, the more we love you for the light you give us and for the fact that you are a light. Help us, Lord, this week to stay in this light, to let this light shine, Lord, daily on us and, and, and that we should be what you would call children of light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.